0: Thank you for joining us for this message. Whether you're watching for the first time or simply catching up on a message you've missed, we are so glad that you're connecting with God's word today. Our hope is that as you listen to the message, you will experience a real encounter with God. Please consider giving financially to support God's work through our ministry. You will find several options to do that by clicking on the word give in the menu on our website at KentwoodCommunityChurch.com. Good morning to you all. We'll be reading out of Colossians 3, and I'll be reading from the CSB. I will read first, and then you guys will read along with Jen, starting at verse 12. It says, therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing, bearing with one with another one and another. forgiving one. I got the first Is it? Yes, it's my job. Oh, I'm sorry, Jen. I'm getting ahead of myself. You go ahead. All right. Let's go, guys. Fearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you are also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Can we give a round of applause to Jen? Thank you for helping me out with that. Now I know we've already had quite a service. Emotions have been up and down, but I do believe that God still has a word for us today, amen? Amen. All right, so I'm about to go into prayer and I just ask that as we do that, if we can just calm our hearts and prepare to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to us. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for the amazing service that we've had so far through the blessing of hearing the children lead us in worship, to hearing about the crisis of orphans and foster care and the need that is so great even in our own backyard. And Lord, we're just so thankful for the recognition of uh, just the ministry of Pastor Rich through all these years. God, we thank you for this amazing church and the amazing time we've had so far, but Lord, we know that you are not done with us yet. So God, I pray that we can just calm ourselves, that we can listen for your Holy Spirit, and that Lord, you speak through me the word that you have for us to hear today, that you will continue to move in this place and help us one step closer to grow, to be more like you. We love you, Lord, we thank you for who you are, and we ask all this in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus Christ. And the church said, amen. Amen. So we have been going through the book of Colossians for the past couple weeks, and today we're going to be in Colossians chapter three. And I labeled the message for today, out with the old and in with the new. So if we look back in the first two chapters of Colossians, basically what has been going on, is Paul has been making this case for Christ. He's been attacking the different philosophies and worldviews that are creeping into the church in Colossae. And he's making this case, helping them to understand that they are now made new in Christ and what exactly that means. So in the first two chapters, Paul gives more so the theological reasoning of why this is. He hearkens back to Scripture and he tries to show them, to help them understand what it means that they are made new in Christ. But in chapters 3 and 4, Paul makes a transition where he goes from talking about the theological to the applicable. Now he's transitioning. He's saying, okay, in the first two chapters, I've already made my case of why this is, why you need to understand who you are in Christ. But now in these next sections, I want to show you what that looks like. So we're transitioning from the orthodoxy to the orthopraxy. We want to say, what does it mean for us to live this out? So it is true from the past two chapters, right? Paul is assuming that, that the people in Colossae, they believe what he has said in the past two chapters, that they have been made with Christ, that they have been risen in Christ. So now Paul's argument is that if you believe that is true and that my argument has been convincing, well, now we better start acting like that's true. So the first point that I wanna raise that Paul talks about is that you were dead, but now you are alive. In Christ. Paul paints this picture, and it's not just in Colossians, but all throughout the New Testament letters that he writes. He gives this imagery that we need to understand that we have been dead and now we are alive in Christ. Right? He paints this imagery that we understand that there has been a difference, there's been a transition that has happened. And now that that transition has happened, we now need to act and live differently. So as Christians, we understand this idea, right? We believe, yeah, I understand that we were dead, we're alive in Christ, we're made new, right? We kind of harken back to that when we were singing in Christ alone earlier. But something that I've noticed is that a lot of times, especially in Christianity today, what happens is that we diminish or overlook the death piece. And because of that, we end up minimizing the life piece. And this this is what I mean, is that too often we, we focus on the life part. You understand, yes, I'm a new creation, I'm made new in Christ. But if we actually ask ourselves and think about it, we don't really focus too much on the death piece. We kind of just brush that up. Yeah, I understand I was dead, but now I'm alive. But what does that really mean? I come up with this idea, I call it zombified Christianity. This is a worldview that people have. And basically what it is is that before we came to Christ, we kind of think, well, yeah, I was dead, but I, I was still moving. Right, I was doing my own thing. You know, I was being a good person. I was living for my own wants and needs. Yeah, but, you know, I was, I was, I was still up and about. But Paul makes it clear that, no, before Christ, we were dead. Not moving. We were still. The Greek word for this is apopnesko, and it literally just means dead. End of, no life. Whether animal or a person, life has been taken from them. They are not moving. So when Paul says this, he's not saying... Yeah, you know, you were doing your own thing and Christ was kind of just the, the next logical step, right? You're like, yeah, I was doing good and I was pretty, I was pretty well off and then, then I came in a relationship with Jesus and he helped me just take to that new level. But see, the problem with that is by not recognizing our true death, we end up minimizing the power of being made new in Christ. Right, we just say, yeah, yeah, it was just that next step and I understand I'm alive in Christ. No, we were dead to sin. We were dead. We were slaves to sin. We had no choice. We had no freedom. We were stuck. We had the master over us, the whipping. We were caught dead in our sin. We had no hope. But then Jesus revealed himself to us through the Holy Spirit and guided us into a relationship with him. And because of that, our lives have been changed forever. So I know it's easy when we start reading the verses in this this chapter, it's easy to gloss over the death and life part and say, yeah, I know that already and keep going, but no, we need to pause because we have to understand what that really means. It's not saying, yes, I was kinda dead and Jesus saved me. I was doing all right and Jesus saved me. I was doing pretty good and Jesus saved me. People respected me and loved me and then Jesus saved me. No, we were dead in our sins, church. We were dead, and now we are alive. So now, Paul says, because we were dead, and now that we are alive, we need to start acting like it. And what does that mean? It means to set our minds on things above, to shift our mind, where before when we are a slave to sin, all we focus on is earthly things. The material things, what people think about us, our selfishness, the things that we want from others, transactional relationships. But he's saying once we are alive in Christ, we need to shift our thinking. Our mindset needs to change, not to what's on earth, but to our heavenly Father above. So what does that look like? Just to give you some simple examples of what that looks like. It's living as if there is more than this life. Right, not having that YOLO mentality that everything that happens and matters is what happens here. And there's no repercussions for the things that I do here on earth. That's earthly thinking. Heavenly thinking says, no, some of the decisions that I make here, the greatest decision I make here, who I follow, has eternal ripple effect. The people that I invest in, that I share the gospel with, that I love on, that I act Christ-like, those have an effect in eternity. Those things aren't just for here and now, but they are everlasting. That is what it means. That's the mindset that we have to have. Another example, it's aligning our thoughts and our desires with the Father. It's about not just thinking about what we want and the things that we want to have done in our lives, but it's saying, God, I now am living for you. What do you want me to do? I'm alive in you, Lord. Where do you wanna take me? What do you want to do with me? What people do you want me to reach to? It's that unselfishness attitude. That is what it truly looks like to have heavenly-minded thoughts. Along with that, seeking God's will and not our own, right? It's not about us. And also, it's, not, it's about not letting earthly things become idols. It's about understanding, right, that our treasures are not here, but they are in heaven. And it's not about focusing and making these idols where everything in our lives, these material things that won't last, they just consume us, and we end up becoming a part of our identity, whether it's our job or our relationship or the way that people think about us or how much money we have. Those things become idols when we switch from heavenly thoughts back to earthly thoughts. We need a kingdom mindset, church. Now, on the other end of this, there are some things of what this doesn't, look like what it doesn't look like is ignoring the issues around us right you know in in christianity we all, all the time we talk about tensions right and a lot of the times we always instead of finding christ in the middle we go from one extreme to the other and the other extreme on this side is where we we get those christians and you know them those those heavenly minded christians where all they think about is is the afterlife right oh you know i know there's there's justice and racial issues going on but that'll be solved in heaven so let me just pray, and, I, and I, I worry about that. Yeah, I know that you know there's children in foster care and sex trafficking and things like that. But you know that's all going to be right in heaven. I'll just pray about that. Yeah, I know that we're seeking to be a multi-ethnic church, but it's so hard, and you know, they, you know, dealing with people that don't look like you and talk like you. It's just, it's just such a mess. You know, I just, I, I see, I, I'll see it in heaven. That's not having a kingdom mindset having a heavenly mindset. When Paul brings this up, he's not saying that earthly thoughts are bad. He's saying, what is your focus? Do not let them become idols. There are still things that God has put us in charge of on this earth, right? We are still supposed to tend and keep it. It is still our responsibility as God's creation, but don't let it stop there. Understand that what you are doing, the things that you do have eternal ripple effects so that is the tension that we have to wrestle with understanding what it truly means to be living in christ and have that heavenly mindset so then paul moves on in verse five he says therefore put to death what belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality impurity lust evil desire and greed which is idolatry Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them, but now put away all of the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ, there is not Greek and Jew circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ in all and in all. So the second point that Paul makes in this chapter is that we need to leave the old in the past and walk in the new, right? So he's building up his case. He said, before in the first two chapters, I made the case theologically that we need to understand that we are in Christ, this new creation. In the beginning of this section, he says, okay, if you believe that in your head, now it's time to believe it in your heart. It's time to live it out. We need to have that heavenly mindset, that heavenly thinking, understanding that we are, in, we are made new in Christ. Now he's saying if we understand that, we got the mindset piece, now are you walking in it physically with your actions. And Paul does this a lot in other letters. He gives this example when he's talking about the old and new self. He gives this imagery of clothing right? This idea of putting on and taking off. And he says here in this text, right? He's saying, no, no longer put on these evil things. No longer put on this earthly nature, this wickedness. Now you make the choice, the decision to put on these godly things, these righteous things. Now, I, 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 when I think of that imagery, I was thinking like, what is a good example of this? You know, I'm trying to because I feel the idea, you really need to see it, right? So I got, my, I got my old self here, right? Looking good, here we go, right? This is how we were, right? This is our old self, slave to sin, no choice, with wickedness, selfishness, only thinking about ourselves. When we were dead, this is us. Paul is saying, now that you are alive in Christ, This doesn't have to be you anymore. He's saying now you have the freedom to take this off. Oh, yeah, yeah. you know what's coming. Come on now. There we go, right? To put on the new self, right? Yeah, looking good. Come on now. Right? This this is what Paul is saying, right? This is you. He's saying no longer do that. No, no, This this is what you need to do. But understand, this is the key point. Paul is saying that now we have a choice. Before we didn't, when sin was our master, we did not disobey, we couldn't. There was nothing that we could do. But when we died with Christ and we rose with him, he's saying now you have the opportunity to take off the old self and put on the new, to walk in it. And this is powerful church because now we have the ability through the Holy Spirit, that we no longer have to be trapped in this. And I and I love how Paul also phrases this in Romans chapter six, verses six through eight. He says this, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Since a person who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Oh, but look what he says in verse 12. He says, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires and do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. So I love how he uses that that analogy, that idea of, of weapons, that the things that we do, the things that we give up to either God or to the enemy are used as weapons. And I love that phrase he uses with the idea of offering, that when we choose to take this off and put back on the old, we are making an offering to the enemy. We are saying, you know what? Yeah, I've been set free in Christ. Christ is living in me. Sometimes I just wanna go back to that old self. You know, it, it, it was comfortable. I felt good in that. I know it's not right, Lord, but if I'm honest, I kind of sometimes want to go back to the old self. And I know I'm not the only person that struggles with that. Right? It's a tension. It's a battle. We, all the time we go through this world and, you know, the enemy doesn't make it easy or it's very tempting. We're just saying, yeah, just put on the old self for a little while. A couple of hours maybe. Right? You can, put, you can take it off, right? You can, put the old, you can put the new one back on. Just try it out for a little bit. But we have to understand that when we are doing that, we are making an offering to the enemy. When we choose to stand firm and say, no, I'm going to walk in the spirit, I'm gonna walk as a follower of Christ, we're making an offering to the Lord. We understand that we are in a battle. Who do we wanna be giving weapons to, the enemy or to God? That is what we do with the decisions that we make, what we choose to do in our flesh. We have that power now. We're no longer a slave to sin. But man, do we love to volunteer sometimes. Don't we? Oh, yeah. come on now. I know that's hitting some people. Don't we? We, we know, you know, we get, oh, I'm walking in new, but sometimes it's, we look over here, it's looking a little tempting. You know, we pick it up and, you know, we go throughout our day and we say, you know, it's not that bad. You know, I could do this for a little bit. And what happens is we end up making this offering, and sometimes before we even know it, we're walking in the old, and we don't even realize it. And you may be saying, "Oh, pastor, how can that be? Right? Why, why? Why do I do that? Right? Why, when I know I have something so good, why do I still continue to go back to the old self?" Well, we're not alone. Even the Israelites did that in Scripture, right? You remember, right? Moses set them free bringing them into the wilderness to go to the promised land. And what do we see? They're they're only there for like a couple of months in Exodus chapter 16. It says, the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted, instead you brought us in this wilderness to make the whole assembly die of hunger. Right? They wished that they were still slaves. They're like, yeah, I mean, we were beaten and we had crappy working conditions and, you know, they ridiculed us, but I mean, at least we had a lot of food. Don't we do the same thing? Don't we justify that stuff? Yeah, I had a toxic relationship and it really wasn't for me, but at least they made me feel good sometimes. You know, I remember a funny story when I was in college. My professor was, he was telling this story. He was trying to demonstrate kind of the same concept. And he was saying how they were were in an area, I think they're on a mission trip in a different country. And this lady had called the cops uh, on her boyfriend because he was being physically abusive to her. And he said, you know, they were kind of in the area and the cops showed up because the the lady had called and they went to arrest a guy. She started beating up the cops because she didn't want them to take him to jail. And and my professor, he's sitting there, he's like, we're all shocked. We're like, what are you doing? You're the one who called the cops. But see, she didn't want to let go of a bad thing because it was comfortable. Yeah, he treats me wrong, but he's not all bad. We all have our days. He does some good things for me we do that in all areas of life we justify the sin that we are in by trying to look for these slimmers of hope these little glimpses of light and that's what makes us end up walking back in the old self we look at those times and say you know those are I had some fun times doing what I was doing yeah it may not have been right in the overall scheme but you know if I actually think about it there were still some fun times I'd like to go back there every once in a while. That is what Paul is warning us about. He's saying, now that you have this choice, we have to trust in the Holy Spirit to guide us because the enemy is not going to leave us alone. He's going to remind us of those times, of those situations, of those feelings, what those looked like, what those felt like. And we have a choice to make. Are we going to offer things up to the Lord or are we going to offer ourselves to the enemy? So, church, we need to keep the old self in the ground and walk in righteousness. Right? The reality is, is, as I was saying, you know, sometimes we just like to dig up dead things and we like to carry them with us. And the Lord is like, What are you doing? Why are you messing with the old self? You got the new right here. And we say, I know, Lord, but, you know, it's comfortable. So we have to walk in the new. Let the old and the dead stay where it is, and let's walk in the new. Finally, Paul goes on in verse 12, what we read before. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So Paul summarized this section by saying this, only when we walk in the new can we be God's church. See, God made an assumption he assumed that when, after we come to a relationship with him and we're going to do what he wants us to do, he's assuming that we're choosing to walk in the new because he understands we cannot do it without him, right? You cannot be a healthy, growing, God-honoring church if we're all walking in the old self because to be the hands and feet of Christ, to be Christ-like to the world, we have to be in the new. We can't be selfish and angry and, and lustful and full of temptation and sinning And then expect that God is going to bless what we are doing. No, God says you're walking in the new and through that I bless you and you can be my hands and feet. And Paul paints this picture here. He's saying it's not just for you, but it's also for us. It's for the body. As we walk in the new together, that is how we have reconciliation. That's how we're able to put our biases aside and come together as a multi-ethnic church. Because we're not walking in the old, we're walking in the new. Christ is the centerpiece. He's painting this picture of what the church truly looks like when we walk in the new, together. It's not just about us and resisting our temptations, but it's about each and every one of us coming together, whether it's here or online, using our gifts and abilities that God has given us and doing what he has called the mission of this church to be. That is what it means to walk in the new. It's so much more than just us. It's what we can do as a body for our community and for the rest of the world. There are many challenges that we're going to face. It's not easy, life is messy. People are messy, relationships are messy. But those are not excuses. If anything, there are more reasons why we need the power of the Holy Spirit because we cannot do it on our own. It is why we need to walk in the new and say, Lord, I'm done with the old self because that's not who I wanna be and that's not who you say I am. And that's not what's gonna get it done, what you need to do here on earth. You know, as I was going through this point, you know, it reminded me of a scripture passage and I never had made this connection, but it speaks so much volume now when we see uh, Jesus's words in Matthew chapter five, verses 23 through 24, right? He says, so if you are offering your gift at the altar, And there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother or sister. Then come and offer your gift. Basically what he's saying is if you come to the altar and you're walking in the the old, you need to go and have a clothes change. Because I'm I'm not here for that. I'm not hearing you. Because you have something that you have not dealt with. This passage assumes that this person is going to be walking in the new. Right? He's saying, no, if you have bitterness and anger in your heart with your brother, you need to resolve that first and put on the new and then come before my throne. But if we're honest, a lot of us come here week in and week out, and we're wearing the old self. And then we're wondering why, man, why is church just not working for me? You know, I think of those people, right, who say, you know, yes, you know, I have a relationship with God, but, you know, I just don't love the church. Yeah, I can have God without the church. I promise you that person is having some old self issues. The problem with us is that we think that church is going to work even if we walk in the old self. And church, that's not true. That's why it's going to be frustrating. Right? Why, why is it so hard for me to connect with people every time I go to a different church or I go from one church to the next? Are you walking in the old self? Right, why, why, do, why do I feel like the church is so judgmental and every time we start talking about stuff or hanging out, you know, they're talking about this righteousness and stuff like that. I just feel like they're attacking me. Are you living in the old self, right? It's not, it's not that people are beating you down, but there is an expectation that if you are coming to do community and we are to grow as a body, that we are all coming alongside each other and we are walking in the new self, that we are living in Christ. The two can't connect. We can't be in the old self and expect to be thriving in the church. Because it's not through ourselves and our actions, it's only through God, through his power and his Holy Spirit. So maybe that's you today. Maybe you're saying, you know, I, I just, I go from church to church and just nothing's clicking and I don't know what it is, just, just churches are terrible. Just stop and ask yourself, are you walking in the new? Are you putting those things aside? Are you leaving them in the ground or are you digging up old stuff And putting on that old self and saying, I'm coming to church, here I am, take me or leave me. That doesn't help the church grow. We have to come together as a body, putting our old stuff aside, putting our biases, our hatreds, the things that you are jealous of, our preferences, and we're coming and saying, God, here is your church, do what you will. That is how we experience true community. It's not about I come with my stuff and you come with your stuff and we're gonna wrestle and the stronger one wins. That's the old self, that's old thinking. That's focusing on the here and now instead of having that heavenly mindset. So the church is a beautiful thing. Walking in the new is a beautiful thing. And it's not just for us personally, but it's also for the church. So I have a question for you to reflect on. Which self did you put on today? Just ask yourself, just between you and God. Say, you know what? If I'm real, I woke up this morning, I got out of bed, and immediately I put on anger, selfishness, temptation. And I brought that into God's house this morning. Just ask yourself. I'm gonna invite the worship team back up and I just want us to have a time of confession, of proclamation. If that is you this morning, I wanna tell you, there is good news that if you are in a relationship with the Lord, you can easily take that off and you can put on the new. And this isn't just for today, this is a daily question. Every day when we wake up, which self are we going to put on? The old self that was comfortable? Or are we gonna walk in the new? and being one with Christ. That is the decision that we make. And that decision will have ripple effects not just in our day to day, but in our relationship with others, those we hold close to us, our church family, and very well even into eternity. So as the band gets ready to sing a song, I'm gonna pray and I wanna invite you uh, to come forward. Not as an act of guilt or shame, but to just say, "Yeah, Lord, you, you know what? I did come in with the old self today. If I'm being honest, I'm dealing with some things, right? Because as the scripture said, if you don't don't just come to the Lord before you don't have things resolved. Make that proclamation and come forward and put on that new self. There's forgiveness here. There is grace here. The Lord is just saying, take it off." You're not a slave to sin no more, you have a choice. You don't have to keep this on. He knows it's not easy. You may have put the old self on this morning but you can walk out of here today with it off. You can leave here this morning walking in the new. Even to those online, you can make that decision, right? We don't have to leave our house to to put on the old and new self. So I wanna give you this opportunity as we go into this time of reflection and confession. If you are willing just to come forward and kneel here at the altar and say, Lord, I am ready to take off the old self and put on the new. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that you set us free. God, we thank you that we no longer have to be a slave to sin, but that you have set us free. But God, we know that you still give us free will, that we are not robots, that you give us the opportunity to put on that old self. And sometimes we do, Lord. Sometimes it's just familiar. Sometimes it's temptation of what used to be. Sometimes we're just scared of the new and we go back to what's comfortable, even when we know how it's going to make us feel. But God, that just speaks to your grace that you're always sitting there waiting and saying, I'm ready. I'm here. Whenever you're ready to take off that old and put on the new, I'm right here. So God, I just pray for those who may be convicted right now, Lord, that you are not condemning them, but you are saying, remember, my child, that you have a choice. Let it go. Put on the new. Do not leave here today with those same burdens and hurts, but lay them at my feet. God, we pray that you continue to move in this time. And may we feel the weight lifted as we get rid of that old self and walk in the new. We love you, Lord. We thank you for who you are and all that you've done. We ask this in Jesus' name.